0: advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Susie Martinez
1: is Payload Systems Engineer with Blue Origin, a commercial space company whose mission is to increase access to space through reusable rockets. There, she is responsible for understanding the interactions between payloads and the aircraft subsystems to participate in aircraft system design cycles and testing. She was previously an engineer and flight controller for NASA. Susie comes to us through our partnership with Reinvented Magazine, where she is one of the outstanding women in STEM featured in the 2023 Princesses with Power Tools calendar. In addition to being passionate about space and engineering, Susie is also passionate about fashion, which we can definitely relate to here. (laughs) And she is all about inspiring women to break the glass ceiling in STEM. Susie is also a member of the group Women and Girls in Science, Technology, Engineering and Mathematics, and a mentor and mentee. I love that that you, that you can be both in a world of, in the world of
2: Psycom. So welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Susie. Thank you so much. That was a much better bio than I could have written. So Okay, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we got it right. Yeah, no, that's perfect.
1: I know you're having a crazy week this week at Blue Origin and in your in your work. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us for a little while this morning. Um I want to hear I would love to hear uh, all about you know your childhood and how you even got interested in the field of engineering.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you being uh, flexible with your schedule and so sorry that I've been so busy this week. Um, but what really got me interested in STEM when I was younger is my dad. Actually, he is a mechanic and he really took it upon himself when my, I have a twin sister, when my twin sister and I were younger to make sure that we were both very, Um, adept in learning how cars work and how to change your oil and how you change your tire and all these kinds of stuff. And he started really young in the sense that we were learning engineering skills when we were young, right? So we were trying to make sure that we were independent in that way because he always wanted to make sure that if we ever got stuck somewhere that we were not scared and that we could figure it out all of our own. And so he really got that engineering mindset in me very young. And then he was also very interested in space when he was young. His dad was also interested in space and actually took them to the Apollo Eleven launch. Wow, which is insane! And when I got my first NASA internship, he hadn't told me that before I got my NASA internship. And he was like, "Oh yeah, make sure you tell like all of your new friends." Like, I saw the <laughs> Apollo Eleven launch, and I just went, "You did what? Oh my gosh! Yeah." So he like got to see the Saturn V launch, which is crazy. Um. Yeah. So he was just like really interested in space and STEM and and mechanics and that kind of situation. So it it just kind of made sense when I was in high school looking to see where I wanted to go next that I kind of just naturally pursued an engineering uh, background. Isn't that amazing
1: that your dad thought it was the most normal thing in the world?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. He was like, oh yeah, by the way, I saw the Apollo 11 launch and I was like, why didn't you tell me this? Oh my gosh. Yeah. But it says a lot about your upbringing
1: and how it was such a part. It was, he was so casual about that he, the fact that he was there that it was just such a part in, ingrained in the way you were brought up and your life. And I think that's wonderful. And, you know, I, I don't know if you knew this, but a lot of the women that I've interviewed on the Hazard Girls podcast have told me a very similar thing that, and I've, I've talked about this before, but that their dads or their grandfathers were so instrumental in teaching what they knew and just instilling that sense of um, doesn't matter, you know, that you're a girl, we're not, I'm feeling like we're going to teach you
2: something different. Yeah, exactly. And I, I remember when I first started doing SciComm, I had like this little template out for engineering week because engineering week's in March, I think actually coming up on it again. Um, And I had this template and it was like, where do you work? Like, what is your major? You know, how did you get into STEM? And 90%, like what you just said, 90% were like, oh, my dad wasn't like my dad was the reason that I got into stamp. Like it's so cool how instrumental like that can be. Even when you're young, you're not even realizing, oh, this is like something that I could be interested in. This is just, oh, I'm hanging out with my dad and he's showing me some cool stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. So I think I hope we need to
1: start getting dads to listen to this podcast. Absolutely.
2: Dads, you must listen sure dads with
1: daughters. You must listen to this podcast. Yeah, because I, I think if, if dads who don't already, you know, aren't already in, in these fields, if they heard about this and how much they can have an impact on their daughter's lives, whether it be, um, you know, so- something in sciences or mechanics, like you were saying, yeah. or, you know, anything, any of the trades that lots of dads do, if they could pass that on to their, to their girls, just think how
2: many more women we'd get. I agree. I, I remember I took a welding class in college as part of my, Uh, curriculum and my dad was so excited he was like yes you can weld this for me and I was like I don't know I don't think you like if you want to look pretty like I'm not the person he goes it doesn't matter it just needs to stay together and I was like okay well let's do it like (laughs) yeah
1: and he had that confidence here I love that okay so then so this is how you got interested in it and and when did you first learn about NASA because I, I read that you, it was your dream to work at NASA one day.
2: Yes. So I am from a very small town in Kentucky in rural Appalachia. And I actually have a couple of mentors that work at NASA from the same area, which I think is kind of funny. Um, but if you've heard of Homer Hickam, he's from centrally the area that I'm from, like very rural. Um, and I always wanted to work at NASA. I was interested in NASA. I was always interested in space and like what is. The future of that um but it always seemed like a pipe dream you know because of where i was from and i was homeschooled um until college like my mom was instrumental in my scientific upbringing she was our my twin and i she was our teacher um Mm -hmm. and i praise her and thank her every single day for the way that she raised us but when i went into college i was like oh my gosh if i can just get out of here with any kind of degree like that'll be (laughs) good enough for me i remember Um, sitting in the parking lot of my community college and I was crying my first day of school because I'd never I'd never been in a learning environment like public education before Um, and it was scary you know and so thinking about going into this scary you know quote-unquote scary world for somebody who'd been homeschooled their whole life and thinking maybe I'll get to do what I've always wanted to do, which is work at NASA. So I went to my community college and my twin sister and I became really involved in the student government. She was the president and I was the vice president and our student government advisor, her name is Aretha Murray, she had this NCAS pamphlet and NCAS is National Community College Aerospace Scholars. It's a program that, that NASA has been doing since like the eighties. And she had a pamphlet from like 1992, which is like four years before I was born. It was so old. It had, it was like <laughs> faded, you know, it was like a threefold little pamphlet. She was like, oh, I found this in my desk when I was moving offices. I think you should apply to this. And I was like, okay, whatever, <laughs> let's do it. So it had like a little NASA sticker in it. So she gave me the NASA sticker and she was like, find this website and apply to I don't even think the website was the same anymore that's how old it was so I just searched NCAS and then what showed up is NCAS and NASA interns they have a much much better page now than when I applied to be an intern but it was it was it was kind of it looked a little sketchy I was like I'm not really (laughs) sure what I'm applying to and actually in fact I thought I was applying to NCAS which is a one week program where community college students all over the country come to one of the designated NASA centers and they build a robot and they kind of fight for, it's not really a fight, it's um, they use their robots to complete this course. And that's what I thought I was applying to, which was one week. And I think the one I applied to was at Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Um, and then I applied and I was like, okay, whatever, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> and then I get an email, um, I get an email And it was like, congratulations on your 10-week NASA internship. Wow. And I was like, "Um, I don't think this is what I applied to. Um, So I actually emailed the lady back and I said, is this a joke? Yeah. (laughs) And she goes, "Uh, wow, uh, congrats on your internship. I don't think anyone's ever responded that way. (laughs) And I was like, I'm so sorry. I just, this is not what I thought I applied to. So I ended up getting a full full NASA internship, not this community college thing. And I, when I told uh, the, my advisor, she goes, wow, that's not what I thought you were going to do. And I was like, it's not what I thought I was going to do either. Um, so yeah, I ended up getting a NASA internship because she had recommended that I apply to this other thing. And then I got a real thing, which is great (laughs) because, um, once I became full-time at NASA, um, I became an in-cast mentor. (laughs) like okay uh, full circle <laughs> 15 times because to me in NCAS is still the reason that I ended up at NASA yeah and, and what about your sister did your sister uh, go for that internship as well yeah so my twin sister is also a mechanical engineer just like me um she switched majors one semester after I did so I started in computer science which I knew meant a lot of calculus. So I started taking my math classes right up front and she started as an art major cause she does amazing art. Actually, she made this. Oh, you're, yeah, that's beautiful. How yeah. cool is that? Um, so she she does all this incredible art. Um, so she switched majors one semester after I did but I had like doubled up on my math. So it actually put her a year behind me. So she mm-hmm. actually ended up with a NASA internship the next summer. So I was, uh-huh. I was a NASA intern in 2016 under the Centennial Challenges program. And then the next year, summer 2017, she was an intern in the Centennial Challenges program. Oh, nice. And, um, okay, so so how did,
1: because you, you jumped in right into, like, when you worked at NASA full-time, so how did that transition happen?
2: Yeah, so I was an intern in 2016, mm-hmm. um, and I made a lot of friends, so I visited quite often. And NASA has this program for college students um, called NASA Pathways. And it's basically a co-op. I know you're probably familiar with how a co-op works in normal public industry, not necessarily the government, but in the government, it's called a Pathways. Um, and what you are is basically a part-time, full-time civil servant. So when you're working, you are a full-time NASA civil servant employee. So from twenty May 2017 until... August 2018, I was a Pathways going back to school, working the summers and I took a semester off. So actually I was working more of that time than I wasn't working. Um, But I took, I worked the summer 2017 and then I worked January to August of 2018. So I was a full-time, part-time civil servant. Um, So after you complete the Pathways program, which I did in August of 2018, you then get converted to a full-time civil servant. It used to be Guaranteed. I don't think it's guaranteed anymore. They like changed up the way that the pathway system works, um, but I was converted to a full-time engineer, full-time civil servant um, at NASA Marshall Space Flight Center uh, when I started work July 2019. So I graduated in May, and then I got married, and then I went on honeymoon, and then I came back and started working wow. at the beginning of July of 2019. That, so everything happened so fast, yeah. It was it's like, like um, married, <laughs> I know, right? I actually met my husband while we were interns, um, in 2016. So he works, he still works at NASA here in Huntsville. Uh-huh. Oh, that's great.
1: Okay, so then, so you're working at NASA, and this is the you're living the dream. Um, so how did you end up switching? Because now you're at Blue Origin, which I do want to, I
2: want to hear more about Blue Origin and what yeah, you're Absolutely. On. So how did that happen? How did that transition happen? Yeah, absolutely. So I, when I became a full-time civil servant in 2019, I worked as an additive manufacturing engineer, which is where I did my co-op as well. So I, right at this point, I have basically two years already of metal and plastic 3D printing design and testing experience for the SLS, the RS-25 engine for, um, wind tunnel testing for all of these things that NASA utilizes additive manufacturing for. And after two years, another two years full time, so I got four years there, I switched to, um, I did payload development while I was there as well. So once you get converted, you have to do something called a PIP rotation, which is the professional intern program, where you just get to work in another group for a little while, and then you come back to your home group. So I did that in the project office and I did payload development for in-space manufacturing. So I had a year of in-space manufacturing experience through payload development, which led me to be curious about how payloads are kind of run on the ISS. So then I switched to become an operations controller for the International Space Station, which is also here at NASA Marshall, we have something called POIC, which is the Payload Operation Integration Center. So all the payload operations are run out of Huntsville, whereas the rest of the operations for the ISS are run out of Houston. Um, So yeah, I became an operations controller for the International Space Station and got to do um, console, Running the operations of all of the payloads on the International Space Station and working with the other groups in our in the room and all the payload developers and the astronauts and everything, it was really really cool. So great! All right, so now Blue Origin. Um, Blue
1: Origin is a commercial mm-hmm. rocket company. Yes,
2: is this the one owned by Elon Musk? No, so SpaceX is Elon <laughs> Musk. Um, oh, okay, Bezos owns Blue Origin. Oh, okay. I knew it was one of those. Yeah, <laughs> you
1: had a big shot, right? Like either one. <laughs> okay, so blue. Tell us about Blue Origin. I know we've we've spoken to other Blue Origin um, engineers before on the show, uh, but it's been a while. So can you remind us about you know what what it is? I, I the mission is is pretty lofty. Tell us more yeah. about it.
2: Yes. So um, Blue Origin is um, its main goal is allowing people to more access to space in a more sustainable way. And the goal really is to make space flight cheaper, right? So Uh the the more you send, the more people you send, the cheaper it becomes. It's like airplanes, right? When the Wright brothers started flying, it wasn't cheap. (laughs) And when commercial aircraft started carrying passengers, it wasn't cheap, not that it's cheap now, but imagine how expensive it would be, right? Um, So the idea is that you send so many flights that it uh-huh. becomes sustainable in the way that regular people, not just billionaires, you know, can make their dreams come true of going to space. Um, and a lot of people like me, <laughs> like my dad, you know, have yeah. this theme, like, oh, this would be so cool, but it's never going to happen. So it's always just something that's, you know, kind of in the back of your head that you're just like, oh, I'll never go to space. Right. So the idea is that that shouldn't be a barrier like uh-huh. the idea is that anybody and everybody can go to space if that's what you desire. So, they have all these programs they're doing um we're building engines, we have the new Shepard flights which everyone is mostly familiar with Blue Origin through the new Shepard flights. The very first flight was on the anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing and it was Jeff and his brother and Wally Funk and another person that I don't remember. Um And they had this, it was their first human flight and it was awesome, but they've done quite a few launches since then. And actually one of my friends, uh, Katia went up on one of their flights and she was the first Mexican born woman in space. So that was really cool. Um, we've had her on the podcast. Oh yeah. She's, she is so great. And she's one of my friends when. When she told us she was going to space, oh my gosh, I was I mm-hmm. cried for like 3 days. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was great. But that's how most people know Blue is through the new Shepard flights, but we also are building a larger, higher power rocket called New Glenn, and I'm actually working on a project called Orbital Reef and it is basically a new generation space station and it's kind of the answer to what's going to happen to long long-term sustainable space living once the ISS is no longer in space. So we're, I'm working payloads for the orbital reef space station and how that's going to look and what that is kind of going to be developed, like in the science side, we're still trying to figure that out. So it's really kind of the bottom floor, the ground floor of what payloads and what like long-term sustainable living in space is going to look like right now, which is So exciting. I've never worked on anything like this ever. Um, Coming into the ISS on its 20th anniversary, you never had any input on, oh, we should have this size or what if we did it this way? And it's kind of every single day is a new discovery. And it's really exciting to see how your inputs like are affecting the future of space travel.
1: Wow, yeah, so incredible. and it's,
2: it's not surprising that you're, you know,
1: you're with your enthusiasm and all your hard work um, that you've gotten so much attention for the work that you're doing. Um, so you just, it's well-deserved. And oh, thank you're, welcome. You. you're welcome. And one of the things that I'm talking about is of course the Princesses with Power Tools Calendar. So uh, I think our audience probably knows this already, but since we're partnered with Reinvented Magazine, which is the magazine all about women and girls in STEM, they have launched the Princesses with Power Tools Calendar a couple of years ago. And this year this is 2023. And we are interviewing again this year, all of the princesses that have been in the Princesses with Power Tools Calendar. And this is to show young girls and women that they can be both. They don't have to choose between being a princess and being a scientist or an engineer <laughs> or working for NASA. So that, and that's, that's what you're representing. So can you tell us about what character you chose?
2: Yes. So I am Ray from the Star Wars universe. Um, I actually did a lot of cosplay when I was younger and already had the costume. I made nice. it. So that's why I picked <laughs> Ray, because I was like, oh, this is perfect. I already have the costume. She's practically an engineer anyway. People tell me when the movie came out, people were like, oh my gosh, this looks just like you. So I was like, oh, this is a no brainer, you know? Um, yeah. So I picked Ray mostly because she is my favorite. Uh, Star Wars princess I guess I don't know if she's technically a princess but we made it work Um, and also I really identify with her as a character in a general sense like she's always you know working on her ship or trying to figure out the next move and it's she's just awesome and I hope to be more like her on a daily um, with my work and obviously Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be going and fighting aliens or other bad people or whatever but there's some parallels, right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a path year on. Maybe you will be. <laughs> maybe, maybe. It's funny. I talked to
1: when I talked to different princesses or you know different women dressed up as princesses. They a lot of times um it's their first time being in a princess costume. But you're you've been in your you've been
2: doing this for a while. Yeah, you um, So this is my first time being in a ma- a calendar, I yeah. guess. Um, and I I used to do lots of cosplay. A lot. I remember. I did um actually dressed up as Darth Maul once and Ray Park is the guy who played Darth Maul. He he like tweeted at me after I tweeted the <laughs> and I was like, this is the best day of my life. <laughs> but yeah, I, I used to do I used to get paid to like cosplay at like comic book stores and that kind of fun stuff because little kids, they eat that up. They just love did it. you got paid for it. It was a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I was in high school, I was like, I have all this crafty energy. What am I gonna do with it? So I just built cosplays and and uh, we had a local comic book store that was like, this is so cool. So I just, we just did stuff for them and they would have like photo ops perfect. and it was fun. It was a fun time. That's so perfect for you. <laughs> um, okay. So then, I mean, the calendar is so
1: perfect for you. If if, if you've already been doing this. All right. So when, so you did the calendar, I really would love to hear about, so I don't know how the culture is at Blue Origin, but yeah. I have, I don't know. So you could tell us a little bit about that, but wh- what has the response been like there?
2: Um, so, you know, what's actually funny is I just joined a new team and I had a, a new coworker that I was, I was just in one meet. I've been in like an orientation meeting and that was it. And he sends me a message on teams and it just says, oh my gosh, at Astra Sue. And I was like, <laughs> hi, this is so funny. Um, like the acceptance at blue for my kind of platform has been totally insane. Cause I started this platform while I was at NASA And it wasn't as accepting. It wasn't as open in that way because as much as we want to try, right, NASA is still a lot of old folks (laughs) and um, they're not necessarily um, up to date on the kind of things that like something like a platform on Instagram can, you know, just Advance science and tech and women in engineering and all these things like there's a reason that we're doing this and a lot of people just kind of don't understand um so blue is a lot younger which is great for me because before then the the youngest person I'd worked with was like my original group at NASA I think I was younger than anybody by at least 10 years much less probably 20 and Uh that's just the kind of environment that it is and it blue is not like that blue is very open, very, um, we want to be as transparent as possible. We want to be as safe as possible because safety is how people trust you. And since we are a newer company sending not just payloads, but people to space, like this is something that's incredibly important to us. And we want to make sure that everyone is as open and transparent as we possibly can be. And we are openly, criticizing each other in a constructive way just to make sure that everyone is on the same page and we want to be consistent with our um, abilities and our work and want to make sure that everyone is allowed to voice their opinions and it's just a very open and trusting environment which I am really I'm really about that yeah that well that's
1: interesting because it's not a government
2: organization no it's not yeah And this is the first time I've ever worked private industry. Like I had mentioned, like my very first internship was NASA. And then I got a job at NASA. It was, it's been NASA my whole career. I've never worked private industry. I've never had another internship or anything. So making that leap from the government to the private industry was really scary. It was, it was scary in the sense that I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to hate it. Like, I don't know if I'm going to love it. Like it may be the best choice I've ever made but the fact that I had to make the choice at all was scary. Right. Yeah. And it turns out it was the best choice I ever made. I love it. um, And it's so different. Like it's so much more fast paced. And which I love, I know some people who are like really, really into the, the government takes years to do this or that. Mm-hmm. And we have lots of time to think about it and test it and everything. And since I've been a blue since September of 2022, so it's only been five months. Um, like every single week everything pivots but not in like a oh my gosh I did all that work for nothing but in like a okay well let's this is a new challenge like let's Mm -hmm. see how we can take this and use the work that we've already done to propel us forward into solving this new problem. So you've been there for five months which it doesn't seem like a long time but you've
1: accomplished a lot in that time you said there's a very fast pace so five months is actually probably a lot longer than it seems.
2: It feels like it feels like uh, five months at blue is like a year and a half at NASA.
1: Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely picking up on that. And so how do you, so I don't, I don't know. I hesitate to ask this because I know things are always changing, but how do you see your trajectory? How do you see your plan? The next
2: yeah. Um, so if you'd asked me three weeks ago, I would have told you something different. Yeah. <laughs> um. So take this with a grain of salt listeners. Um, <laughs> I would love to be working on, you know, something like, like the, what the future of space travel is, right? Like, this new space station is incredible but like where are we going after this like are we yeah. going to the moon are we going to Mars like what what is the future of not just blue but like what does the future of space travel look like what is the future of space exploration look like and I think that Being someone being in the space industry, like you kind of understand that we don't know the answers to these questions yet, but we're trying to figure them out and the people that we're working with are trying to figure them out and that that's why I love space because we don't know so much, which is the reason that a lot of people don't like space because it's like the unknown is scary. It's like why people don't like the ocean right (laughs) The unknown is scary and we don't know what's out there, but that gets me so excited. I cannot wait to see what the next five 10 years of space exploration looks like and it's going to be incredible and I hope to be there along the way hopefully actually contributing on the engineering side rather than you know managing and paperwork and that kind of stuff. Yeah and and your dad who went to to see the Apollo launch what does he think of your career? He loves it he he is he just cannot believe that this was the path that that was allowed me Mm -hmm. it's still just every single time I'm like hey dad I did this he's like oh that's so cool! like that's so cool and it it just makes me happy because not only am I getting to live my career but it's like a little bit of him with me as well yeah he's still alive this made us sound really sad like he's he's still around you know very active having a great time
1: (laughs) your family must be so proud of you and we are super proud of you and it's such an honor to have you on the show Susie. And that's Susie Martinez at that is at, at Astra, A-D-A-S-T-R-A-S-U, right? That's your Instagram. So payload systems engineer with Blue Origin and princess with the reinvented magazine princesses with power tools calendar. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing so much. Thank you you so much
2: for having me. I really appreciate it. And thanks for being flexible again. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, it's our honor. Thanks, Susan. Thank you. You
0: have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Solaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.